On today's episode of The Pickup, we will start off with the midweek recap where we will cover the return of one of the most legendary sports games of all time, along with some NBA action from last night. After that, we'll head into the NFL where we'll discuss the Super Bowl, the blockbuster Matt Stafford trade, along with some key free agents for this upcoming season. Next, we'll go to the MLB, discuss the biggest acquisition in baseball in the last three or four years, along with the MLB versus MLBPA contract negotiations. We'll end off with the NBA, talking about the Brooklyn Nets and why the NBA is trying to force an all-star game in these unprecedented times. All up next on The Pickup. And welcome back to The Pickup. It is February 3rd, almost 8 o'clock on a Wednesday night. And as always, I'm Stephen Biddix, joined by Drew Hartman, who's going to start off with the midweek recap. How are we doing, everybody? We're going to, as you heard in the intro, talk about some NCAA football, the reboot of one of the most missed games that anybody has ever played. From a, from a men's standpoint, playing NCAA 13 and 14, road to glory. You throw a pass with RG3, touchdown, and you just feel good about yourself. Nothing yeah. beats that feeling, you know? It's just – it's it's an exciting, exciting time in, in a man's life when you bring yeah. back such a memorable game. Yeah, I mean, everybody's been wanting this game for years and years and years. And the greedy NCAA is finally going to give up some of their uh, money via player rights and give it back to EA Sports so that they can make this game and give the people what they want. Yeah, I mean, that's exciting. And then we're also Mickey Calloway. For the second time in three episodes of this, we have another example of Sexual misconduct in the Major League Baseball. That's it's it brings a bad name to baseball. It's really don't we don't want that there anymore. And we're trying to, and they are trying to figure out how to come up with some better ways to stop that. I mean, honestly, it's unfortunate that anybody has to deal with that and anybody has to have anybody do that to them. But he was with the Mets. This comes out what two weeks later after yeah. the GM. Mm-hmm. Luckily, he, he is on a different team, so the Mets press is kind of out of the way. But it was part of the organization. Do you think it's something that stems from Mets ownership when they were there together? Or do you think it's just two coincidence that it happened in the same and we're hearing about it near the same time? I don't mean – he's done. I mean, he's suspended indefinitely. And, I mean, I think kind of common to say that he's probably done touching baseball. Yeah, I mean, if he was in uh, the New York Mets organization, I'm sure there's a little bit of correlation between those two, and they've probably been doing it for a while if they both have been caught now. But my biggest thing is who would have thought, dude, in our short history of our podcast that half of our episodes would have had to do with sexual misconduct in the MLB? No, no, I would not have expected that. Also, another big story from the week, the Brooklyn Nets with a, a good game last night. I wouldn't necessarily say a huge comeback, but they came and found a way to win yesterday. <clears throat> Maybe one of the best NBA offseason moves is getting a, a young Steve Nash, who a lot of people 
wouldn't have picked or even liked 22 games ago, 23 games ago. And you go from having a record at the end of the last year at 35 and 37 to being 14 and nine second in the East. You got to feel pretty good, you know? Yeah. I watched that whole game from tip off to the end. And at one point the Nets were down 14 to four in the first quarter and they could have just rolled over, which I mean, we've seen them do that before. And uh, they really showed their fight and their heart by coming back last night. And when you have Kevin Durant shooting 11 of 13 for 28 points, I mean, yeah. that's about as unstoppable as it gets, along with James Harden putting up a triple-double, 23 points, 14 assists, 11 boards, and Kyrie going off for 39 points and five rebounds. The offense on this team is just insane. Obviously, the defense is still going to be an issue, and I think that will come back to bite them in the playoffs. But I think they will make a playoff run. And I mean, they're an electric team to watch. Let me ask you this question. And uh, do you give last night's win and even even prior some of the past week, do you give that to the play of anyone particular or do you give it to the whole big three unit? Do you say, hey, Harden had a triple-double, that falls on him. Or Katie and Kyrie drop more points, so it's them. You know, I think as a unit, you got to give it to all three. You know, I don't think anybody in that three would take the credit. I think they're all saying, yeah, they helped out in their own way. That's why we get wins right now. Yeah, the way I look at this team is I think Kevin Durant is like the key. Like, he's the most mature out of them all, in my opinion. Obviously, we've seen what goes on with Kyrie. He's there. He's not there. He's kind of all over the place. And then you got James Harden, who – Still, what, 25, 30 pounds overweight probably. But you've got Kevin Durant, who's averaging 31 points a game, seven and a half boards, five assists, shooting 53% from the field and 45% from three. I think that he is the glue and the key of this team because without his maturity, I don't think they'd be as good as they are. Because if all three of them wanted to be as ball dominant as they were in the past on their separate teams, respective teams, I don't think the chemistry would work. But with Kevin Durant kind of taking that leader role, being like, okay, I may not score 30-something points tonight or take 16 shots, but, like, he'll just do what he did last night where he goes 9 of 11 for 28 points. So I do think Kevin Durant is the biggest component. But overall, I mean, it's a crazy – it's an insane big three, maybe even better than the big three of KD, Steph, and Clay we saw just a few years ago. Yeah, I mean, I I definitely think a lot of credit is missed to Harden, because we saw what the two were doing before him. And I feel almost as if no trade, whatever, if Kyrie's doesn't if Kyrie doesn't play this season, we'll even say, I think they're still be they're still fine because yeah. KD came over or KD's there and then James enters the team and they're both just like you said, eleven for thirteen and a triple double in the same night. I don't know I mean Kyrie obviously helps. That's a yeah. huge thing. But well, I feel that's like something if you have I wanted somebody to touch in that on. in that role of a point guard that can score points like he can, I don't know if you need him. I think they're glad to have him, and I would take him over a lot of point guards in the league. But I definitely think that that's one that they're happy to have. They're not complaining about their big three. 
Yeah, that's something I wanted to touch on. Kyrie Irving this year, he's shooting 53% from the field, 45 from three, averaging almost 24 points, five boards, and six assists. If you if he would have played those five or six games instead of missing them, the narrative around him this season would be so different because he has absolutely balled out. But him just going AWOL for uh, six games is it's just not a respectable thing to do in the NBA, but you cannot no. undervalue the season he's been having either. I mean, he's always been no. a stud. He's just yep. got to keep his mental right. Yeah. And we'll, we'll jump over to another point guard. That's one of the best also in the league. Steph and golden state. I mean, Celtics come in and beat them and not I mean, honestly, it's not too surprising that the Celtics won uh, warriors two years ago. I think it was two or three are fighting for the ring at a championship and two, three years later, they're ninth in the West and it's not, it's looking bleak again, you know, and I get that you don't have clay and James is hurt again right now with, with Wiseman being so young, learning from Draymond. I think if you can get another young power forward in there, get clay healthy and upgrade another small forward position, somebody coming off the bench that can score or even move Ubre back. I think if you can find a way to solidify another three guy, be Steph Clay and Wiseman, I think that they're going to turn it around too, but they have to get everybody healthy. And we've seen in the past two years, especially that they just don't seem to be able to stay healthy, you know, and I think that that definitely raises some questions in Golden State. Yeah, the biggest thing with me has been the decline of Draymond Green. Like, we used to think, I used to think, too, that with Klay Thompson, this team was still a top-five team in the West, a playoff contender. But if you look at just the way Draymond's dropped this year, he's been double digits points-wise almost his whole career. This season, he's averaging 4.6 points per game and only averaging just around five shots per game. I don't understand what happened to the old Draymond Green because he's only – 30 years old like he's not old at all and you can't be averaging a field goal percentage of 33 percent when at one point you were above 45 for multiple seasons in a row just the downfall of Draymond is what's killing this team and he's got to buckle up and get it back otherwise they don't stand a chance even when I think Clay does come back because he when you don't have KD there and some of these other players that they used to have you have to have Draymond contribute because when you have Juan Toscando Anderson having the fifth most minutes during a game, that's just not something I'd want on my team. No, yeah, I agree. I mean, that's not what you want at all. And and Draymond's decline, I think maybe it comes from maybe he feels that there isn't necessarily a, a reason to exert himself at 30 for the team that's ninth in the conference and just doesn't seem to be fighting for anything. But I'm not going to call the guy out on his ability or his drive. I think that he's shown. No, he we, wants keep that, to be there. we keep he, that he strictly to Carson Wentz. Yeah, he, I mean, he <laughs> fights to play. He wants the ball. I mean, he know he wants to score. But moving on from the from the midweek recap, we'll go into the NFL. I mean, big week in the NFL. Uh, Super Bowl coming up. I'm just going to go ahead and say, uh, go Bucks. I got a good feeling. You know, I don't and. I don't know if anybody has heard, but um, the Chiefs hair hair barber, that's what it is, his barber for the Chiefs, 
was in the in the locker room cutting hair and middle of it gets covid test back positive so i think that's a huge thing there were 20 players in line two of them on covid considered close contact protocol one guy's middle of a haircut half his head shaved and you're missing a lineman and a receiver now that I'm not saying is a, a game-changing receiver. Denard Robinson's not, to me, the guy that's going to cost in the Super Bowl. But it's a piece. You know, that's a backseat piece that maybe he had to step up because somebody gets hurt. I hope nobody has a problem. But now you don't have him. That's a huge – and a protection on the front line. So now yeah. you're down. Yeah, I saw that today. I mean, that's that's wild that that happened. Patrick Mahomes is actually in line to get his haircut yeah. when that happens. So is seeing it so happen sooner Hill. than later. Uh huh. What yeah. I think is funny is uh, Daniel Kilgore was in the chair when it happened, yep. and because he was already deemed close contact, he just decided to have the haircut finished anyway. Which yeah, I thought I mean, was pretty funny. No point in stopping it. No, there's not. But, if you were going to so get but, it, you would have it by then. But yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty big. For that to happen, yeah. some unneeded drama with less than half a week left going into the Super yeah. Bowl. Speaking speaking of which, and we'll say half a week left, Brady's time to prepare this past two weeks. Have you heard what he's gone through and what he's done to prepare? He's had zero time with his family for 12 days. They have been gone, out of the house, gone. So he's come out and said, I've had more time to prepare like I've never had before for a Super Bowl, for a playoff game, for any game, really. You know, and that's from the greatest quarterback to throw a football. That's pretty big, don't you think? And, I mean, you kind of have to ask yourself, does it help at that point to be more prepared or does it hurt you from the standpoint of your rhythm is always a week? I just got to get ready to go. You yeah, know? Tom Brady can prepare all he wants for Kansas City's defense, but he can't prepare for Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs offense. And yeah, no, I so agree. as long as he can't game plan for the defense, I'm still going <laughs> to take the Chiefs in this game. But I remember Sean McVay two years ago in the Super Bowl saying after the fact that he overstudied, he overthought when the Rams played the Patriots when Tom Brady was over there. So to your question, it's definitely impossible to overthink things like that but I don't think Tom Brady's going to do that. I just don't think they can beat the Chiefs offense. I don't – yeah, I definitely don't believe that it's, it's even possible for Tom Brady to be unprepared for anything in life. But to the point, maybe he's sitting at home doing some TB12 and his body is right, you know, some <laughs> yeah. supplements and weight training. But Yeah, that's and I mean. perhaps the biggest story of the entire Super Bowl <sighs> – is that the NFL is not letting the Buccaneers shoot off cannons after touchdowns. Yeah. How do you feel about that? I mean, uh, like what's the <laughs> point in stopping it? Honestly, just shoot them because, all for both teams. Like to make the, it fair. But what's the, who needs to score points now? I say we finish the game three zero. Everybody <laughs> goes inside to the five and just takes knees. The last team with the ball wins. That's the easiest way now to just pick a winner. You yeah. Know? And I understand it's supposed to be a neutral <laughs> zone game, but if you do it for both teams, that's neutral. I mean, everybody loves the cannons in Tampa Bay that they have. When I heard that the other day, I was like, man, maybe it's because I don't have enough. Obviously, they don't use gunpowder, but whatever they use, maybe they don't have enough of it for the fireworks that they expect. 
No, I'm kidding. But <laughs> I just yeah, think Roger, they... Roger Goodell, I'm adding you right now. You should have let that happen. I just think they need to stop being so soft. Quit being babies. Neutral game. Who cares? You're playing in a stadium that was lucky enough to have their home team. If you're going to be a baby to the point where the cannon's going to upset you, you may want to look into a different profession. You know, and it may be watching newborn babies and making sure they're good after birth for the rest of your life. Because obviously football is not the game for you. Because that's, to, I mean, that's upsetting to be completely honest with you. You know, I mean, yeah, it doesn't change the, the outcome of the game. And that's kind of the point. You know, it doesn't, it's not going to change the outcome of the game. This isn't baseball where they call it home, home turf, kind of the mound is made differently. The second base is placed a little bit weird. This is the game of football. It's grass or turf and striped lines. And you just run straight, catch the football, score. The cannon in the background is not going to hurt you running into the end zone. I mean, just kind of ignorant to me why we can't listen to one of the greatest sounds in Tampa (laughs) Stadium because somebody was being a baby about it. Yeah, and another aspect of this game is – I don't know if you heard this a few years ago, though, but the all-time record, and by quite a few games, too, in the Super Bowl, that team that wears the white jersey has a far superior winning record in the Super Bowl – compared to the team with the colored jersey. And Tom Brady individually is 4-1 and one in Super Bowls where he wears white. And the Buccaneers had the choice to pick, and they're wearing the white with the pewter pants, and Kansas City is coming out with the red jerseys and the white pants. Yep. Does that mean anything take, to you? Does it you mean anything? Have to, you either have to take the spread if you're rooting for the Chiefs, or you have to take the Bucks because there's no way. There's too much – superstition around this game now and i almost think the white jerseys trump the no cannon i honestly i mean (laughs) yeah because i mean brady's only two and two when he's when they wore the patriots navy blue uniforms yeah and tom brady i guarantee you he was the number one person behind that decision because he wants every little thing (laughs) set up exactly as he wants he he called roger and said you take away my cannons i get to wear white that's the deal (laughs) <laughs> there's, there's no there's no way around it that had to be the deal you know so let me let me just say this too because for the people that are are betting out there three and a half tampa bay's got the plus three and a half man in vegas put 2.3 on the spread to walk away with no two. no 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 there's a guy or we may be talking about different people but there was one yeah. guy because the Bucks are at plus 160 when he laid this down. He put uh-huh. $2.3 million on the Bucks' money line to return $3.2 million, so 5.5 total, and that yeah, is was, insane. The guy I was saying, he bet the spread to win two to walk away with 4.3, which okay. is still – I mean, 4.3 versus either five way, is yeah, not – Either yeah, way, I mean, I mean, I wish I was in the spot just to be like, hey, I can toss out a couple mil here, and if I lose, yeah. so what? Yeah, hey, I like Tom. Let's throw 4.6 <laughs> on him. Maybe he'll do me something good. But Yeah, I saw one thing, too, this week, which was absolutely insane, was if you were to put, I think it was $50 every single season from 2000 on either the uh, Patriots or the Red Sox or just Tom Brady <laughs> and the Red Sox to get to the Super Bowl or to the World Series every single year, you would be up over ten thousand dollars by this year in twenty twenty one. Jeez, jeez, crazy. That's 
That's crazy. That's like putting a dollar stock in Tesla in 2014. <laughs> yeah. Um, Speaking real so quick, what, did you see Tesla has a Neuralink where they're putting um chips into monkeys' heads to control them playing video games? I didn't, but even in, maybe even a better a better brain stimulant thing. Have you seen the new Coors Light commercials where they make you dream? about Coors Light. They plug you up <laughs> to a machine and put you to sleep and they make you have refreshing, relaxing dreams. That is insane. <laughs> who, I mean, who comes up with that? Yeah. And why didn't we wait till the Super Bowl to unveil it? That's the biggest question. You have possibly one of the best neurologic commercials ever. Yeah. It literally attacks the person's brain and gives them good dreams about <laughs> your beer. And you... <laughs> You unveil it in the AFC championship. What do you just wait two weeks? Come on. But speaking of commercials real quick, Juicy Doritos is not doing a commercial this year. Instead, they're uh, using those funds to go to COVID relief and things like that, which as great of a cause as that is, it will be sad to not have a Doritos commercial in the Super Bowl. Yeah, it will. I mean, could they, I mean, can we piece together something Maybe a GoFundMe for a Doritos commercial. Yeah, we'll start the GoFundMe. We'll have we'll have the link in the <laughs> bottom of the podcast description, and yeah. all funds will go to uh, Doritos, who definitely needs the money for yeah. their uh, their, yeah. their Super Bowl commercial. Uh, that's oh man. Uh, <laughs> feel free to donate. Um, Stafford trade. How do you how do you feel? I got some numbers I'm ready to throw at you, but I want to get your opinion first. I love it for L.A. I love it. And what Sean McVay yeah. came out and said, he said, we're not coming out looking to win trades. We're looking to win Super Bowls. I mean, that is – that's a quote right there. Put that on a shirt and sell it if you're in Los Angeles. But I love it. Even though they got rid of – what was it? Two first-round picks, Jared Goff and two-thirds, if I'm yeah. right. Yeah. Um, it was a, I think it was a second or and a second third. second and a third. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love yeah, it for they, LA because with that play action system that he runs with somebody with an arm like Matthew Stafford with Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, and Brandon Cooks out there, that's that's and the tight end Higby and Everett are both yeah, and very with the emergence of Cam Akers. vertical, yeah, oh yeah, and Henderson, they have a team to be yeah. able to be there. They were yeah. literally just missing somebody to be able to throw the ball. Yeah, and they have a stud defense. They got like a great Super Bowl window for the next two or three years still while they have all those defensive guys locked up. And on the flip side, though, poor Jared Goff, man. That guy's going from Los Angeles to Detroit, Michigan, man. Poor Goff. He's going to go in there. From what it's been looking like on Twitter, Detroit fans are like, okay, with the trade because I got first round picks and a lot of stuff. But like, are you really psyched that Jared Goff is about to be your next quarterback? Yeah, and I don't – I mean, and it's this is nothing against Jared Goff, but I don't know if you can be psyched if you're any team to have Jared yeah. Goff walk in your locker room well, next You season. saw what Stafford did in Detroit. He struggled, and he's far superior to Jared Goff. Like, what's Jared yeah. Goff going to come in there and do? Yeah, and, and I, here's some of the numbers I want to throw at you, being superior. So the first, the first five seasons of Stafford's career match up to the first five – of Jared Goff. Jared Goff has played for five seasons. Okay. So Jared Goff's first five years, he's played 69 games to Stafford's 61. Okay. He has 63.4 completion percentage to Stafford's 58.9. Now, uh-huh. 
that could be two passes here or there that get tipped and caught or batted down. That's just and Goff's first five years, I will say he has had better weapons around him. Oh, yeah, better Stafford's coach, better first team, five better years. front office, so, better but, everything. But where it gets to me and why I think Stafford is better through his first five, he played eight less games and threw for 17,457 yards, where Goff threw for 18,171 yards. Now, I think if you give Stafford eight more games, he he's – in the twenties easy. And he's at 45 for his career. So we see that if you take this and in five more years, he threw for, what is that? 28,000, 28,000 more yards. So golf has some definite improving to do. And I don't know if he's going to be able to do it in Detroit without say without Marvin Jones or without Kenny Galladay, which we'll come back to because I have them later on. And Stafford threw 109 touchdowns to golf 107 in his first five. Now, not a huge drop-off, not a huge deal, but again, Robert Woods and Cooper Cup with Higby and Everett versus who Stafford had his first five. You know, I'm I'm definitely taking that LA team over the what would it be? The oh eight? Yeah, something like that. Uh, Lions. Lions, yeah, and so, even if I you mean, just look at it from the eye test, like not even looking into the stats, Sean McVay was obviously ready to move off of Jared Goff by then starting the backup against the Seahawks and then not having faith in Jared Goff and not having Jared Goff start the next game either until their backup got hurt and then had Goff come in. Obviously, McVay just did not have that much faith in him otherwise because if he played in that last game he probably could have played in the game before or he could have at least started the last game so it's pretty clear that McVay was out on Goff but just back to the eye test between the two of them you watch a game between Stafford and Goff there's no comparison Stafford's way more athletic way tougher stronger arm by far he can dart it in there or throw it 50 yards in the air just Stafford's just the better overall quarterback. And I think a non-football fan could tell you that if they watched one game of each. Oh, yeah. No, I agree. And I think – and I'll give Goff the nod on the escapability factor. But I don't think Stafford wants to run nor needs to most of the time. No. Just roll out six steps out of the pocket and throw the ball away. That's what yeah. Stafford's well, been. With Sean, you know, and with Sean okay. McVay's system, too, with the play action – there's a lot of scheming going on with the wide receivers, a lot of like exact placements they need to be. And with those darts Stafford can throw along with what one of Jared Goff's, even though he throws a beautiful deep ball spiral, he wasn't always hitting them. When you've got Woods or cups streaking on the end. I mean, I put a lot more faith in Matthew Stafford hitting those than I do Goff because Sean McVay's system is about being efficient and you can't be as inconsistent as Jared Goff is and still be efficient. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and moving Wait, hold on. One more thing about that. Oh, yeah. No, go ahead. Did you see that Matthew Stafford and Sean McVay were both in Cabo in Mexico when this trade happened and that they got together for dinner afterwards and talked all about it? I thought that was awesome. That's crazy. (laughs) Um, I have a I did see that and I have a theory on it. The Rams called Stafford and was like, hey, come to Cabo with McVay. And get a get a feel for what it's gonna be like playing with this guy, you know. <laughs> and then he was like, "Yeah, sure, okay." 
I don't want to pay for it though. So the Rams were like, yeah, it's okay. We'll pay for it. Boom. <laughs> that's, I mean, and you didn't hear it here, but that's just, so for me, I think if, if golf can go there and play well, he's on a very similar career path as Stafford. Maybe we don't talk about him the same way, but numbers in the way that they, they play the game. I think they're very similar path career wise. I think, we're going to see a huge incline in Stafford's ability to win when it mm-hmm. comes to needing to win. We're going to see him in the playoffs. We're going to see him in big time games. Does He's he win a Super Bowl? Down. Oh, I think he does. I give I do him. Too. I, do I think, too. I think not this year, not the 20, what would it be? 21, 22, 21, season. 22. Yeah. I don't give them that one. I think they make a, a good push, but I think they go get an established like big time power back after that next season and then 2022 2023 season they win it that's my take on it but yeah i do i do want to talk and i don't know how much you've looked into i think you may just piggyback but i i I put a little list together of my speaking of quarterback my top 10 free agent are you saying i can't handle co-host podcast duties Hey, that, you're that what's going on here. You're welcome to. I just I didn't <laughs> want to throw you out there for being a little prepared, but hey. But I think my my number one, and the only reason he's my number one is because it could have an effect on Deshaun coming up. I think Dak Prescott's gotta be the number one free agent right now, right? Because yeah. if say the Jets don't go with a quarterback number two, or they trade it to get somebody down the line. Say they get a player and a better pick next year, and then a player. They can go then sign Dak Prescott if the Cowboys don't jump on it first. But if the Cowboys don't jump on it, you may see Deshaun sneak up in a Dallas jersey next year. You know, and I'm not – I mean, I don't know if they're going to be real happy if Dak leaves and they got to play Andy Dalton. I know I would not be personally. And that's but, coming from a Bengals fan. Yeah, that's and I love I like the guy. He's a good human being, but not a great quarterback. You know, he's a better Bills quarterback four years ago when he put them into the playoffs than when he did for us. But it's yeah, okay. I think as sad as it is, I think Dak's gonna get franchise tagged again and kind of just get screwed again because this was yeah. supposed to be his franchise year where I think he's worth the money on it. I don't think he's worth the 45 yeah. mil he wanted, but I would not have a problem paying him 35 and um, or 30, 35. But I think he's going to get franchise tagged again, as much as it sucks for the player. He only played yeah. what four games. I mean, it makes yeah. sense from the Cowboys front office for them to do it. Like I said, as much as it sucks for the player, it makes sense for the Cowboys just to do that. The, the Texans GM has come out and said that he's not interested in, really moving to Sean, but we'll come to that later on. I don't really want to stick to that, but I think if, if Dak gets franchise tags, it's going to help Deshaun. He's going to get something else. He's going to get maybe even a reconstruction of his contract if he goes somewhere else. But mm-hmm. if Dak ends up going to the free agency and somebody sees taking a chance on him for, like you said, 30 or 35 mil, I think it hurts Deshaun a lot, but my number two and I'll even say my two and three because they kind of affect each other. My two is Chris Godwin. Yeah. And my three is Allen Robinson. Okay. okay. And I think those are two big free agents in the offseason potentially because they could have an effect on each other's money and where they end up going. If 
Godwin re-signs, I think it's open for Robinson, whatever he wants to do. It's not going to have a huge effect on him. I don't think it's going to hurt Robinson as much if Godwin just re-signs. But if God, yeah. if Robinson re, if Robinson signs to a different team, we'll just throw out Detroit because we were just mentioning him. If he goes to Detroit for some reason to play with golf and Godwin doesn't re-sign, it's going to hurt him, I believe, because Godwin hasn't proved that he's a solid number one yet. You know, so he's not going to go to a team that needs a number one. He's going to go back to Tampa being the number two, or he's going to go to a Dallas who has Amari Cooper and uh, CeeDee Lamb and stick to be two or three. You know, um, I think another wide receiver, not to spoil your list if it does. No, go ahead. But go ahead. I think you can toss Kenny Galladay from Detroit. With yeah, those he's, two receivers he's number too. four. Yeah, he was number four. Because I feel yeah. like with Stafford, he, he can't stay healthy. Everybody knows that. But when he is healthy, I think he has proven himself that he can be a number one wide receiver. Yep. And so I would tie him right in with that. And with Tom Brady, most likely, as much as it seems, like as far as it seems, Tom Brady's definitely coming back. I think he'll get yeah, to 45. Godwin. <laughs> yeah, I think he'll get Chris Godwin re-signed. So I think that's basically a lock that he's going back to the Bucks. But then with Allen Robinson, an interesting thing that I see right now and what I've been reading about is I think he's going to end up on a uh, AFC East team, whether it's Miami, because they need a number one. And while he's not going to be cheap, he's not going to be as expensive as your top receivers in the day. If they hit free agency, like your Hopkins and your Jones yeah, and your Diggs and people like that. I agree. So I think they may go after that. And then you don't have to agree with me here, but this would just seem like such a New York Jets thing to do is to go out and try and get Allen Robinson and then him go yeah, to New no, York. I, would, I don't I know would, why would. it sticks out in my head like that, but that just seems like a thing that would happen to the Jets I if think, they would go after I, that. I think both of those, though, are going to be affected by what happens with Deshaun. Being yeah, his top sure. two places because they both could end up with him. Yeah, yeah, and I don't think, I don't think he's going to go to the one that Deshaun goes to due to the fact of a money reason. Money wise, you know, yeah. New, yeah. New York has more money than Miami from the standpoint of they can just spend it and get the, both of them there. But yeah. my five is Trenton or Trent Williams, the mm-hmm. offensive lineman in Washington. I think that's a pretty yeah. big. And I think I have him at five, majority of the reason, just due to the fact that he's going to be the best free agent offensive lineman to come out in my mind. I think that he's a, a game changer on your front line. I mean, yeah. this is what Andrew Whitworth was four years ago when he left Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just – he changes the way your offensive line is constructed. Yeah, You can well, go from well, an agile to a power based on that, and I think that he that's a big key. Yeah, well, Williams may have misspoken here. Williams is actually on the 49ers now. He was on Washington before, though. Remember, he held out okay, in Washington. Okay. So he actually has, like, kind of extra year because he sat out for, like, quite a while to get yeah. out of Washington. Like, so that's just going to yeah. help him health reasons, like, even yeah, more. Yeah, no, yeah, you're right. And it kept him off his knees even more, which is the first thing to go for all of these. Yeah. Like, just speaking of Andrew Whitworth, he had a torn MCL and was out for, like, a month mm-hmm. and a half before he got back in and played with the Rams for the playoffs. And yeah, so I think I mean, that's a huge thing is that he had that little bit of time off. Just even if it only extends his career one more season, it's going to give you one more season in his prime. Like it'll be overall beneficial. Yeah. yeah. And I think that you're right. And maybe if you get that defense back set over there in a, in a big time quarterback, you may have to re-sign him. Yeah. Because then you, I mean, you feel comfortable. So I'll throw, I'll throw two at you here just because, they're on the same team at mm-hmm. six and 
eight on my list. I'll, I'll jump around. Levante David, Levante David, excuse me, and Shaquille Barrett. Yeah, that's huge. Place there. I mean, those are two. If the Buccaneers win on Sunday, you have to think that I could give them three three million less, and they may re-sign just because they know there's going to be a chance next year. But if the, if they get blown out or they lose coming from behind, maybe they go try and flip the script. Maybe they pull a KD and they go sign with the Chiefs. But those are two of the best defensive players in the league, and they're on the same team. So I think if you could spread out from each other, if Levante goes somewhere and then Shaquille goes somewhere else, I think you could see them definitely being two of the best again, but with more tackles, more sacks, more. They will have more because they're doing it themselves. They don't have to fight with the guy literally standing six feet from them to the left to go tackle. There's no half tackles for them anymore. They just go get it, you know? Yeah, so I think, if anything, I think they'll both probably be back because Shaq Barrett's a great pass rusher for them, and Levante Davis just been a tackling machine forever. Yeah. Like, it's for most of his career, he was never, like, seen as high of a tackler because he was in the same division as Luke Keegley for so long. So Luke yeah. Keegley always overshadowed him so much. But if you've noticed, he started getting more and more and more respect since Keegley retired, what, three, four years ago. But yeah. I think which what's most strange. Yeah, which I think what most likely is probably going to happen. Levante David's been with Tampa Bay. He's been with them yeah. through thick and thin with them when they are winning two, three games a season and now going to the Super Bowl. I think he's going to retire with the Bucks. He's been there forever. He's still in his prime, but he's definitely on the back end of his career. So I think it's more likely. I still think he'll be there in Tampa, but I think it's more likely for Shaquille Barrett to end up on another team than Levante David. I think Levante David will retire with the Bucs, especially with Tom Brady coming back. He's a veteran presence. He's mature. Yeah. I think Tom – I assume – well, I guess I'm not going to assume, but I'm going to project that him and Tom probably get along pretty well considering they're both in like – even though Tom's older, they're in similar – uh, places of their like playing career and yeah. so for that reason I think they'll both be back but I think it's more likely for Barrett to be gone if one of the two are gone next season yeah and other other two defensive backs at you Anthony Harris and Justin Simmons I mean I think Justin Simmons career kind of speaks for itself just mm -hmm. like you said with Levante David he he's kind of been there in Denver Thick and thin. Uh, I mean, winning, not winning, uh, with Peyton, without Peyton. I mean, I think that that's, that's a guy that deserves, if anything, deserves a good bit of respect and maybe even some upward, maybe one year, a little bit more money. Um, and on the other side, Anthony Harris. I mean, 29 years old, decent, decent season this year nothing outstanding i mean uh -huh. but he had a pretty good year this year so i mean i think that he can maybe get something if he wanted it but i wouldn't yeah. necessarily say that he's a top i just have him on there because he's a sneaky guy that i feel like can come out of your secondary and get tackles make deflections give you something in the back that maybe you don't have and maybe he matches up good side of the the field with Justin Simmons. I think if you could get him with like like in that Chiefs secondary, if you could put 
Matthew and then Harris, I think that your secondary and your safeties particularly are both set pretty well. Yeah. Yeah, I think that um, – hold on, let me get it pulled back up. Yeah, so Justin Simmons, I've – per source of per sources – so not oh. our sources, but sources of sources. Am I talking to Woj now? AKA Adam Schefter, Ian Rappaport, Tom Pelissario, <sighs> people of that stature. Von Miller. So which one's yours? Which one's yours? Which one's It's got to be Chef, right? Yours well, is Chef. On Twitter, they're all free. So I guess all of them. <laughs> <laughs> but they've all been talking about where with, I'm not going to get into it because it's not 100% factual yet or anything but that Denver may be moving off of Von Miller due to what happened with him towards the end of the season so if they're moving off of Von Miller who's been their defensive leader Justin Simmons I don't really foresee him wanting to stay with Denver I wouldn't want to after something like that when you lose your leader I would want to go somewhere else I mean when you're in the range of he's probably going to get paid around four years 60 mil maybe five years 80 mil tops i wouldn't want to do that with denver as a defensive player especially you want to go to a winning franchise because if you look at denver even though john elway's in the front office they've never really been able to put it together they've had great defenses for years on end now but the offense has never been good drew lock doesn't look like he's the answer to so it's going to have to be not another rebuild but another retool find another quarterback go to two to three years of maturation for that unless they get to sean which i don't think is an option for them because i just don't think they will but they're going to have to restart that quarterback spot all over again. But yeah, I mean, he proved that he can be like a top safety in the league and that he can go to a team and make an impact. And then on Anthony Harris playing in uh, Minnesota, he really started to shine this year. But a reason he started to shine this year was because Harrison Smith had one of his worst career years he's had so far. He was not the same guy this season. And um, he only had 33 yards in returns and five picks, which you may say, oh, five picks. But if you look at his career, that's under his career average from the rest of the season. And even though, like, he still played solid, he's not playing as good. And he's on the latter part of his career. He's definitely not getting any younger. He's a 31-year-old safety. And in that cornerback safety position, once you hit that 30 mark, that seems to be where a lot of people started to uh, flatten out. So – An interesting prediction, though, is if I was Anthony Harris, if you're looking to go to a team with a defense that's looking to put it together with an offense that's also seeming like they're putting it together, I think you got to look at the Washington football team because they've got a great front seven. You got Chase Young out there, and I mean, you've got a great front seven. And you toss an Anthony Harris back there, sign him for three years, 35 mil, four years, 50 mil, something like that. I think that would work out great for both parties. Yeah. And in my last free agent that I'll talk about before we move into some Deshaun talk is Will Fuller at that 10. Yeah. And I have him there because of what he's done for Deshaun, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. you. You take Hopkins away and you're still able to throw for 4,000 yards, where do you think most of those yards went? You know, I mean, yeah, yeah, you have to give it to somebody, and I give most of the credit to Will Fuller personally. And I don't know his numbers. I didn't look at all that. But I I, just based on eye test and what I think, I put Will Fuller in there just 
bottom spot because of what he's done for Deshaun. But I mean, you can speak on that before we go into Deshaun a little bit more. New update on him. Yeah, and I actually got three players I want to bring up before we switch up to. One of them's an honorable mention because I mean, you just kind of have to. But um, yeah, I think Will Fuller's going to end up with the Packers. If you saw towards the end of the trade deadline, there are a lot of rumors about the Packers possibly trading for Will Fuller. But if we know anything about the Packers, it's that the Packers don't trade or assign free agents. They're into drafting. They'll sign free agents, but they're not into trading their draft picks. They love their draft picks. But now, since he's out on the open market and with Aaron Rodgers, which we'll get into a little bit, coming out with what he said after the game and more stuff this week, and he's out for revenge, I think he's going to pressure that front office of Green Bay to do something because they have not done him any favors at all. And considering he was in rumors towards the end of the trade deadline last season, I think he'll end up signing there as a free agent in Green Bay. What do you think about that? I definitely like that. And I don't want to pre-jump to the Rodgers conclusions, but I don't think he's going anywhere. Uh, after that last game, I think Ooh, it was kind of just spoiler alert, spoiler like a alert. like a, a Twitter stunt almost, like a Bauer <laughs> type thing, but for football. I think that's what Rogers is to me. He's kind of the football troll, where Bauer's the baseball troll. But I don't think he's going anywhere. I think he kind of pulled that stunt just for people to go on Twitter and be like, "Oh my God, he may leave." Oh no, what do we do? <laughs> and just kind of mess with people. But I yeah. think if you could throw Will Fuller there. That would be great because that would be awesome. Yeah. Devontae Adams, Will Fuller, <clears throat> Scantling, Lazard, and then Tanyan. <laughs> and you may lose Aaron Jones. But again, like I said, you can save a lot of money by not signing him back, turn yeah. into a, a play action, big time passing team, give Rodgers the ball, go draft um, Najee Harris at 28 29, and run from there. Your defense is fine around but i think since rogers is probably not going anywhere i think that that's probably where i would go is not pay or not pay jones another 24 million a year for three save that go get a good rookie and then move on from there because in three years if Roger's done, if Roger gets traded, if Rogers leaves, whatever the case may be, retire, leave, or trade, you're gonna need somebody to help um who they just Jordan draft Love. last year. Jordan, Jordan Love. Love. You're gonna have you're gonna have to have somebody to help him in his first season because they did it to um kid a couple years ago. Brett Favre, no, Aaron Rodgers, how oh, we yeah, had Donald Driver and James Jones and Greg Jones. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you're going to have yeah. to be able to set the kid up for success. Yeah. You know, but. Yeah, I mean, and that's something I want to get into more when we talk about Aaron Rodgers is the effect of Aaron Jones and him becoming a free agent because that is going to be a big aspect of that. But I've got four free agents for you. So do you want the three serious ones or the one that's going to be the most fun to see what happens? First, which one do you want first? I want the serious first so I can have the fun after. It's no fun okay. to ruin the okay. fun. All right. So this first one, you can call me bias. Don't really care. Juju Smith-Schuster from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Get is out. A Save your agent. money. Get out. Yeah. So I would say the exact same thing. I don't want Juju. I don't want his TikTok dancing, being at Pittsburgh a lot, like knowing the city. Being there all the time, 
that is not what Pittsburgh is about is TikTok dancing. Big traveler. Yeah, I mean, to what couple cities? Pittsburgh being the most frequented, but um, but yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I think they let him go. I don't, and that's another guy like Allen Robinson, where I can just see the Jets signing him for some reason. Like I can the just Jets, see that happening. The and Jets he wants to grow his such as like yeah. and he wants to grow his like non NFL market at TikTok. His, and there's not a better clout. spot to do he that just, than New York. He just wants to be a clout monster at this point yeah. essentially Everybody so, knows, he he makes videos because i'm a big danny duncan guy i watch him a lot he <laughs> is on several of those and he doesn't yeah. do anything on those dance. except just goof around dance <laughs> they throw the football through them all like it's i mean yeah i'm not saying it's dope they're not being just dis- i mean destructive and they're not being rude to people which i appreciate that but i think you save a lot of money by not signing them and I, yeah. he's not as we need that money. Well, they need that money for Bud Dupree. Yeah, and and you're gonna save a lot of money too with Ben Roethlisberger. You you decide to cut ties. That's two big contracts. No, can, no, he want no, but, no, 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 no. He wants to come back. Oh, but, but he said he said money is not like a concern that they're so they're gonna rework his. Yeah, because he's got so much now. He doesn't need he, it all, dude. He's forty one point two five million dollars <laughs> is what he's supposed to get paid. They better work that down yeah, to like dude. fifteen to twenty. Yeah, you're not but getting yeah. 15 to 20. You get 36 to 34. But my point to Juju is I feel like he's beginning to come a little bit of an of a Antonio Brown in that locker room. It's yeah. just becoming a little bit toxic. It's <clears throat> affecting how he plays on the field and how everybody plays yeah. on the field. He's not going to complain about the helmet he's wearing, but if somebody steps on his cleat when he's dancing, it's going to be all hell raising. Yeah, so before I give my take on that, I just want to ask you the question. Did you really change hats uh, mid-podcast? Yeah, the other one was getting kind of kind of sweaty. <laughs> I didn't want to sweat in it. It was necessary. Yeah. <laughs> this one gives but, me confidence. <laughs> yeah, but I'm definitely on board with the get rid of Juju because, I mean, Juju was a great receiver. Start off with, he was tough. He played physical. Like, he did play well. But he made the Steelers team that already had a target on their back because they were 11 and 0 at one point to becoming one of the most hated, if not the most hated team in the NFL because of his like outside of play off the field antics from whether it's dancing on the logo to TikToks all the time. And I don't really like what Chase Claypool is doing, which I think can equate to the way Juju maybe has mentored him or just been with him. I'm sure yeah, you saw Claypool's it. joining in. Yeah. After the Browns game, Claypool the next day on TikTok live or whatever, he was going, well, they're going to get clapped next week anyway. Like, no, dude, shut your mouth. They need to let Juju go. They need to get some – because there's no veterans in there. It's James Washington, Claypool, Juju. I mean, there are no veterans. And uh, Deontay Johnson, there's not a veteran wide receiver. I would rather them let Juju walk, bring back Bud Dupree, keep that defense top three in the league, and sign back some veteran wide receiver for – five six seven million dollars let me let me say something that's that's somewhat of a joking i don't know if you watch any of brandon martin tv stuff the mental mentality thing i think it's what it's called yeah yeah the mentality yeah. chad ochocinco's on there okay and, I, and this is a little bit of a joking matter because you know where i'm a fan of and you know where i come from yeah. from the standpoint of how i'd like my receivers to act t higgins doesn't do that tyler boy doesn't do it you don't see aj nope. dancing and hey, all I just want to have... say Tyler Boyd, a Pittsburgh product, by the way, how Pittsburgh oh. <laughs> players are supposed to act, not like 
freaking juju. My, my point is, all of them have learned and seen Ocho Cinco play. They watched yeah. him and how he well, and AJ and also, Green and AJ and, Green. And, yeah, and on the sideline, it's funny. You know, you can say call for help. I mean, you can pull the Shannon Sharps and all that stuff. But if you want your team to quit slacking in the locker room, get to the field, play the game of football, I would go out and say, Chad, give me two seasons. We'll give you $25 million <laughs> for two seasons. If they mouth off, race them. Beat yeah. them, embarrass them, whatever you got to do. Fight them on the sideline. I don't care. But get them acting straight because it's going to – it's hurt you twice now with yeah. Antonio Brown and Juju. And you're getting yeah. Claypool already in his first season. He's doing dances. He's talking on TikTok. And it's just – it gets bad, bad blood with everybody. You know, you got enough bad blood within your own division. It's just, it's tough. And especially when you lose to a team that has never, and I don't say never, but hasn't been good since Jim Brown. Yeah. And you go on after losing to them by not a close margin. It wasn't three points. It wasn't, I mean, and you talk smack. It was ugly. I mean, Browns is the Browns. They're going to get smacked anyway. You can't say that because what would have happened if you'd have won? You'd have gotten destroyed. You know, it just doesn't make sense how you as a professional and an adult can walk into a room and feel comfortable saying that after getting destroyed by a team that has been 0-0, one win, two win, zero, and then comes yeah. out and beats you yeah. twice in two weeks. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I and just, my last point kind of about this, is um, they also let go of or they had informed James Conner that they weren't going to be bringing him back either. Who's another Pittsburgh born and bred guy, and so it'll be interesting to see how the Steelers rework their skill positions with uh, Aaron Jones. Probably drafting a running back. No, don't spend money, please. Draft a running back and um, getting rid of Juju maybe. So my next two I can tie together are uh, two quarterbacks and two very different parts of their career. All right, so you got Jameis Winston and Cam Newton, both free agents, both at one point. One is still now, obviously. Both at one point in the NFC South. Both have very similar paths going up through the ranks, having issues in college, whether it's stealing lobsters from a grocery store, stealing computers (laughs) in high school when you're Cam. Kind of similar players, but I'm going to give the throwing arm to Jameis the everything to Jameis except maybe just pure athleticism but quarterback wise I think Jameis overall is better but what do you think is going to happen with those two because we've talked about it before Cam (laughs) just did not look like he could play quarterback in the NFL anymore or be a starting quarterback look I I mean the dude is a massive human being honestly and I honestly may debate on offering him a tight end role somewhere because he's just big but I don't think in all realistic measures Cam Newton's a backup quarterback at this point yeah 100 I think that the talent level based on this season has shown you know and Mm -hmm. I would give Jameis the nod if I didn't know either of them just because he's played under Drew Brees yeah Cam Newton's never really played under anybody that has the status of one of the best he didn't get this play under Philip Rivers. He didn't get to play under Matthew Stafford. He didn't get to play under Brett Favre or Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or Drew Brees. But Jameis has, you know, and it wasn't an extensive period of time, but he has experience. He watched Drew Brees play. He came in when they needed him, threw one touchdown, 
and he walked off looking happy. He doesn't get emotional to the extent that Cam Newton does. Except you can when he's see, eating W's, when he's eating W's, you know. Well, an excitement and, and hyping your team up <laughs> is different than walking off and having a little baby smack. With and having a Gatorade towel wrapped yeah. around your head yeah. like you're pouting. I mean, I just – and to me, I don't, I don't like – the way that Cam has changed from that MVP Cam to the just unathletic looking, and and part of it is hits that he's taken. Jameis has not had to take the abuse that Cam did from. Yeah, that well, he's not a runner position. before a passer like Cam is. Yeah, and and even in the pocket for a while, they did not protect him to the best yeah. that they could. You know, and that's yeah. understandable. Not. But that's my take on it. I would give Jameis more money, and I would give Cam a backup contract. Yeah, and then my last... Honestly, I think Cincinnati... Honestly, I would say Cincinnati pick him up for a year, for four or five, and just give him three games until Burrow's healthy, till he's ready to go back in and comfortable, and then you push Burrow back in. But if he's unaware... If he doesn't feel good with that in the beginning, don't sign him. Who cares? We don't need him. Yeah. I mean, but you may just have to piggyback off Finley or Allen for three games, but mm-hmm. it is what it is. I'm not, but yeah. So the- my last player, this is, this is the wild card here. All right. I'm gonna give you uh-huh. one guess first though. I'm gonna give you one guess. He's a quarterback. Uh-huh. Who do you think I'm going to say? The joke. Oh, is it Andrew Luck now? No, 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 no. We'll get into him in a little bit. Ryan fits magic, baby. Ryan uh-huh. fits magic at a ripe 38 years old. <laughs> So he's now a free I like agent. Him. I like him over Kirk Cousins in Minnesota. <laughs> Boom. I said it. Yeah. So he's 38. You know, he's just he's just playing for the love of the game at this point. And yeah, I mean, what do you think? So we think because we talk, we think New England's gonna draft a quarterback. They didn't get Stafford. Yeah. I personally, I don't think you do either. I don't think they're gonna get Watson. And no, I don't. Okay, yeah. And so they're gonna draft a quarterback, right? So yeah. Who better to start the first part of the season that is used to doing that and to finish as the journeyman of the AFC East because the only team he has not played for in the AFC East is the New England Patriots. It's Fitzmagic (laughs) capping it off after Buffalo, the Jets, and Miami of going to New England and being the starter for six games for maybe a Trask (laughs) or Mac Jones or something like that. (laughs) <laughs> uh yeah i mean I don't, I don't know i think maybe venture out of the east though you know maybe go try a different division but yeah no i mean i think that that's a, a very high chance but i also think it's a very high chance that he stays in miami if they don't get deshaun just mm-hmm. because of how this season went what if Tua repeats last year and he looks like crap for a little bit then then boom you're there you know, and I think he's – they're going to do the best to keep him there. Personally, that's what I believe. But I don't know. But speaking of Mac Jones and Kyle Trask, you brought them up. I wanted to mm-hmm. mention this. The the Senior Bowl this past weekend, Mac Jones tweak, tweaking an ankle and everybody's freaking out. I, I mean, yeah. I get it. I get it. But I wouldn't necessarily freak out yet. And – the reason I want to bring up the Super Bowl, I just want to make two points. The biggest surprise and the biggest, like, jump, and then the biggest fall from the the uh, Senior Bowl. So the biggest fall was Alex Leatherwood, uh, the Alabama left tackle. I don't I, – I think if I'm him, I wouldn't have gone. 
mm-hmm. obviously, afterward. But I just don't think he needed to go, and I don't, I don't know why he went. But he kind of hurt himself, I think, and it's not going to make him fall from five to twenty-six. But it's maybe a six-pick drop. But the biggest jump uh-huh. is don't steal my Dem- guy. Don't steal my guy, Demetric Felton. No. He's a running back from UCLA. Oh, He's five okay. ten, okay. two hundred pounds. Okay. He started his career as a slot receiver. Okay, uh-huh. and nothing necessarily extremely high out there but he's got some of the quickest feet in college football was what his his draft stock said after this game that i jumped and one more one more surprise guy that i'll bring up don't do it don't do there it there's two two don't receivers this year in college football that had over a thousand yards receiving and over 15 touchdown receptions okay now the first one was Devontae Smith, Heisman uh-huh. winner, yeah. 1,856 receiving yards and 23 touchdowns. The yeah, second was Jalen Darden from North Texas, mm-hmm. 74 receptions, 1,190 yards, mm-hmm. and 19 touchdowns. Yep. And if, if you'd have asked me that without me looking and knowing who it was, I probably would have guessed Kyle Pitts or Kadarius Toney just based <laughs> on how Trask played. But that's yeah. – I mean, from North Texas, it's a little bit of a surprise, but it's got to help his stock, too, having a season like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's North mm-hmm. Texas. It may not be the best. But, I mean, there's guys that get drafted from North Texas to be DBs in the <clears throat> NFL. Yeah. So, I mean, he obviously played people that were good. They they played in the NFL. But yeah. I think that he's a sneaky receiver this year that if a team needs late round, that's a guy to go with just mm-hmm. based on 19 touchdowns. The next close, yeah. he was four behind Devontae Smith. And he was 800 yards behind him in receiving. But still, I mean, you're 800 yards or 700, excuse me, behind the Heisman and four less receiving touchdowns. That's not a bad year at all. Mm-hmm. You can't complain about it. But that's my biggest rise and fall from the uh, – senior bowl this past weekend yeah well mine mine i think everybody here can appreciate especially me and you who uh i was never a college athlete but you as a once d2 college athlete is d3 quinn marinez from university of wisconsin whitewater the offensive lineman absolutely bowling out tossing away Tossing away D1 Florida State linemen, Alabama linemen, Tennessee linemen, even though they're not good, they're still a clout T program. Like, just, I mean, absolutely running the show, running people over. I mean, the heart, because he won't be a top first, second round pick, probably. He may be. I don't know. We'll see how the comp, well, they're not having the combine this year, but. We'll see how that happens, but I think he will because he's got the heart. He's from a D3 school. He knows he's got to show up. He can't just go in and play off of his history like, oh, I played at LSU. Oh, I played at Florida. Oh, I played at North Carolina. I played Clemson. Like, he has had to bust his butt, and he had to go in that senior bowl, and he went in there with something to prove, and he did. And I just thought it was the feel-good story of the weekend, personally. No, yeah, I mean – Big human being throwing bigger human beings around definitely will help your draft stock, you know. But I mean, 
you www <laughs> i mean that's not not somewhere you necessarily at first want your team to draft a, a lineman from yeah. but i mean if the dude can get a job done i'm never going to complain about somebody that can do work on the football field you know what i mean uh-huh. you know that's never a bad thing but yeah maybe maybe he can protect andrew luck when he comes back oh yeah speaking of andrew luck yeah Andrew Luck coming back. So there have been texts that have surfaced that. So it was Andrew Luck's wife, best friend. Okay. Just keep in mind, understand this kind of sounds like a little bit of, oh, it's my aunt's uncle's cousin, sister's brother type thing. But Andrew Luck's wife's best friend was texting one of her friends. And when discussing about if they could all hang out one day, Andrew Luck's wife's best friend, Nicole, said, yeah, we can, but Andrew is meeting with Jim at one time, I don't remember, on this day. If you keep in mind, Jim Ursay is the owner, is the owner of the Indianapolis Colts. And if you have Andrew Luck meeting with Jim Ursay, hey, I mean, that could mean a possible comeback here. Andrew Luck retired because he just got beat up sacked, tackled, most pressures on a quarterback, just destroyed all the time. And now the Indianapolis Colts have the pro football focus, number one offense, offensive line in the NFL with his same weapon of T.Y. Hilton, who he had before, plus Jonathan Taylor and Naeem Hines out of the backfield, plus a top five defense in the NFL. And granted, he's kind of seems like he's moved on and he's got a family and he's got all kinds of stuff going on outside. He's one of the top engineers seeked in the world, let alone because of his education at Stanford for when he went there and did, he's as smart as it gets. But if Andrew looks planning a comeback to the NFL, back to the Colts where all the Colts need is a quarterback, that would be exhilarating. I don't, I mean, it would be cool to watch, but I think if I'm a Colts fan, I want to draft a guy. No. And, and here's why. Here's why. You've now sat out two seasons, all right? Three. I think three. Three. Wow. Even even Almost even worse, okay? So three He's only seasons. 31, though. He's only 31. Yeah, but like we talked about a couple years ago or a couple weeks ago with um, Panay Okay, Sewell no, wait, hold out. on, it's hold two. on. My bad, my bad. It, it, it's been two seasons. My bad. So okay. you're right. So it's, it's two. It's, it's two. I'm, I'm normally right when it comes to us. Oh, but, um, no, no, no. But it, it was it was Google. It's, okay. it's, I think it's just better to draft somebody that's consistently played the game. One of those kind of just keep me there, let me go. Like a Trey Lance would not be an awful if he's still there. Not saying he's going to be there, but maybe it's that, you know, or go get somebody in the offseason just quick maybe it's a Fitzpatrick yeah for a season I don't know it's tough with Indy because they are it seems like they're just a quarterback away they've got the defense they've got the O-line they've got the weapons and I don't know if maybe you go out and try and get like a Derek Carr maybe or something like that because John (laughs) Gruden doesn't seem sold on Derek Carr and Derek Carr is a solid quarterback in my opinion he's top half of the league but, I mean, you saw what Phillip Rivers could go in there and do with Phillip Rivers being at the age that he was and at the point in his career that he was. 
I really thought that's where Stafford was going to end up was Indy. But apparently yeah. Indy didn't even really give a formal offer before the Rams did. According to per source, per sources, the Panthers, hey. and the Rams, the Panthers, Rams, and 49ers were the top three teams, which I thought was interesting because I don't know what the Colts are going to do now. They need a quarterback. And like I said, they're a quarterback away from being a championship contender. And I don't think Andrew Luck's going to come back. I think it's kind of just rumor. Like, I think it's just a fun thing that's going on right now. But it's a, it's do, a Rogers ruse. Yeah, but they do need <laughs> something here. But yeah. And then if we just kind of touch on one more quarterback with Deshaun Watson, he is now, since last time we've talked, officially requested a trade. And in the press conference the other day, their GM said they have no plan on moving on from him. And Watson apparently, per source, per sources, said today that um, he was willing to sit out the season. And I, then, it's it's going to be wild sit how out. it plays out. Sit and out I was, then. I was watching my boy, the GOAT, Colin Coward, today. Congratulations, Colin, <laughs> by the way, after winning uh, the Barrett Sports Media Award for the best overall sports radio show in America. And um, he was discussing a trade package between Houston and Oakland, sending Deshaun and some other kind of low level. I think he said Darren Fells, their tight end to Oakland mm-hmm. for Derek Carr and four draft or three first round draft picks and a wow. one second. Well, if you look at what Stafford got, I mean, Watson, in my opinion, is yeah. a level or two above Stafford, and they got two first-round picks. I definitely and don't know. Vegas, what well, Vegas, Vegas needs a star. They need a star at quarterback badly, and Gruden is not sold on Carr. And I think, I mean, I think it works out for both parties, and it gives Houston a stable piece, even though he's not going to be great, but it gives them some consistency to build around. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that I'm going to give up that for Deshaun Watson. I mean, it would have been struggle for me to give what they gave up for Stafford, but to me, that makes more sense. Yeah, I don't. I'm not a huge Watson guy. I think he's kind of being babyish and childish about it. Like, I get you want to be a part of the decision, but I don't pay you to sit here and tell me how to do mine and who I should pick. So you kind of just need to go play the game of football. Yeah, and I'm not, that's I mean, what we're opposite. I love Watson. I think he's a I mean, top six or seven quarterback in the NFL, if not top yeah. five. I think he's a certified nah. stud. He goes to a market like Vegas. He's going to have a top five jersey sold in the NFL. I think that Watson I think his can numbers, be an X factor anywhere. I think his numbers are deceiving. I think he falls. He put up career numbers this year with Will Fuller being his number one receiver. Yeah, but who cares? They won four games. Nobody's playing hard against them. Yeah. Well, I mean, they don't need pull, to play hard to beat them. Yeah. You know? and I'm not little, saying pull a slick little transition here. You know, speaking of receivers, perhaps the greatest receiver of ground balls in baseball ever, along with arm talent at third base, Nolan Arenado going to the St. Louis Cardinals, plus $50 million being sent that way, too. They literally yeah. paid like this the season's worth of his contract and got rid of him. I mean, yeah. what is going on in Colorado right now? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's just not, not great, not great stuff for them. But so to your point, Nolan Arenado to St. Louis really, really hurts. Honestly, both of us and the Rockies, 
Yeah, well, instead of we possibly still... thinking the Pirates could beat the Cardinals maybe once this season, now it's just totally down to zero. Yeah, it's so. zero. You know, we we <laughs> we as as a as a group in Cincinnati feel that we definitely could, and we we know that we have the ability to more than more than you guys do in Pittsburgh. But it's not a guarantee. They just got a, a little bit better, and I'm not saying that they were or, or are necessarily a, a top tier. They're not necessarily going to battle for first now. Just him. Cincy or St. Louis? The St. Louis. I don't think they're necessarily going to battle for one. But I think they will. Who else is up there with them? The Cubs got rid of a lot of people. They got rid of Schwarber. They're kind of looking like a bit of a rebuild. They got rid of Lester. I think that the Cardinals always. Dude, the the Cubs are. yeah, well, I mean, I don't like almost, them when I can. Dude, I mean, they almost have the strategy of the Pirates, but just with better players. So, yeah. okay, so we'll, <laughs> they just so we'll had more luck. The, they just had more luck drafting wise. Say Cubs fall, and which I can tend to agree with, because I, I think the, I but think St. Still, Louis is going to win the division. See, I think if if we can get a shortstop, we may and have Trevor a Bauer back. Well, but here there's a trade package with Indy that came through the other day, and it wasn't. Um, like a full completed package, but something that's in the works, which hopefully may happen. There's two big things. And it's kind of where my, my question of is Trevor story next to get out. So we could, he, he doesn't necessarily want to be there anymore. Right. And how, why would you? So a front running place for him is Natty. So we could add a shortstop. That's huge. But on the other token, there's a package with Cleveland, for us, yeah, that sends Nick Senzel, Gutierrez, and one more, I think, low, low A player for Tristan McKenzie and Rosario, who they just got from the Mets, yeah, which would help us a lot because we have we save a lot of money, we don't necessarily need to sign Bauer back at that point because we just got McKenzie, not saying McKenzie's Bauer good. But he's got playoff experience at 22 years old or something like that. And Rosario has also has playoff experience. Where mm-hmm. last year, the only guy with playoff experience on our team was Votto and Bauer. And Moustakis had a couple years. But yeah, we just – Well, he won a I World think, Series. Moustakis well, yeah, did. Yeah, we need one more, I think, big piece. You know, because we got Winker. We got – Castellanos, Suarez over there, Mustakis, we just need that extra piece where here's another another team I think could be up there fighting with us is the Brewers again. And that's why yeah. I think the Cardinals may not be number one is because Wong, Colton Wong is now gone. He's in Milwaukee now. Yeah. So that could hurt a little bit. Yeah, that was interesting to me. I don't quite understand why you'd go to Milwaukee as a free agent per se. Like, if you look, most people that are in Milwaukee, like Christian Yelich and other big-time players, have all been traded. Uh, yeah. No no offense to Milwaukee, but uh, it's not like baseball town like St. Louis was, where Colton Wong was just coming from. Because St. Louis, massive baseball town, obviously. But, yeah, so kind of this is along with the point with Colton Wong being gone, I wanted to read you off what the projected opening day lineup is for the Cards with Arenado so you have Tommy Edmond leading off at second base who's definitely he's taking over the Colton Wong spot that's where he would have been as a second base yeah and then Paul DeYoung at shortstop 
Who he's yeah. not great, but he's solid. He deserves yeah, to be a, a starter a, in the MLB. It's a it's a mid average power bat. Yeah, that shortstop. And then you've got Goldie Paul Goldschmidt, who, as good as he is, I still don't think he's been the same in St. Louis as he was on the Diamondbacks. I, I think you would agree with that. Yep. Yeah. And then you got Arenado in the four hole, and then yeah. I mean, Dylan Carlson left field batting fifth. <laughs> I mean, I don't think that's great, but he's there. And then you've got an aging Dexter Fowler in right yeah. field with an even yeah. more aging Yadier Molina somehow still playing catcher. Yeah. He's doesn't he's still somehow using his original knees he was born with. Not quite yeah. sure. And the original the original Pine Star Pine Tar is still on his. <laughs> Yeah, and somehow he seems to get too. away with it all the time. Um, and then Harrison Bader, who I think is a decent young player starting in center field, along yeah. with their uh, starting lineup or their starting rotation pitching-wise of a uh, – hold up. Jack Flaherty, Adam Wainwright, Carlos Martinez, Miles Mikolas, and Quang Hyun Kim. So after going through this more, yeah, yeah. I, might, I, I might take a step back on my guarantees yeah, yeah, exactly. and I'll central winner. Exactly. I still, I still think they might be the favorite, but they yeah. definitely. I mean, they're gonna. They take lost. Favorite. They lost. They lost a little bit of depth. Yeah, but they're gonna take favorite due to the fact that Goldschmidt's still there, Flaherty's still there, and they mm-hmm. just added um, Arnado. Best third baseman we've seen in a long time. Yeah, and I mean that's not an arguable point <laughs> to be honest, but I think, in truth be told, I do believe that Milwaukee has an opportunity to be three, two or three. And I think the Reds for the first time in a while feel comfortable being in early season two or three as well. We yeah. strand a couple of games together. We could be sitting at one for a while and fall to two and flip back, but that's, we did fine with 60 games. Maybe we increase with 162, you know, yeah. some teams, Miami, uh, Pittsburgh, <clears throat> they may not want 162 games. They may want 60 yeah, so their see, season so, ends quicker. Yeah, it kind of was nice because last season I only had to deal with 50 games of putrid baseball. But this season I'm going to have to deal with 162 games again. Yeah, so, hey, I'm excited woo! for the first 162 game of baseball where the Reds may be, may be good again, you know, consistently good again. We just got to get bats going where I yeah. think – Again, if we can if we can trade one piece to get another bigger piece back that we don't and Sinzel, I use him as an example, hasn't necessarily played a, com, a full complete season healthy yet. Yeah, has not. He even got hurt in a sixty game season, sliding back into the bag. You know, and that's I, I don't dislike him. I think he's a good baseball player, but I think if he's going to get hurt all the time, we can find some way for him to go to get a shortstop back that'll do something for us. <clears throat> Yeah, and just one more thing touching on Arenado. I think another thing to watch is how he does translate to going to St. Louis. Because if you look at some of these other big-time free agents that have either, whether it's via trade or free agency, is left, like Manny Machado is not the same player at the Padres as he was in Baltimore. Even as good as he still has been, Giancarlo (laughs) Stanton is not the same guy in New York as he was for the Marlins. And so a lot of these big time guys, when they leave, don't necessarily play up to what they used to. So that's just another yeah. thing to keep I, an eye on. I do want to give Yelich some credit for getting yeah. better. But yeah, he got better in Milwaukee. Like I said earlier, yeah, Milwaukee. Yeah, yeah, he got yeah. better. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't make much sense. But 
back to our 162 game talk. We almost only had to watch 154, which yeah. the MLB PA has already declined, which again, like we talked about before we started, why, I mean, why eight games? Why would that be something you ever sign in a universal DH? <clears throat> Tell me, and I use my team because Michael Lorenzen's on it. Why the yeah. heck would I want to watch DHs hit when I have a guy that can come in, close down the seventh, turn around in the lineup, not waste a bat, and possibly hit a home run from a yeah. pitcher's nine hole without DHing or without, um, yeah, without DHing and then roll over to the eighth and then right back to the ninth. If you go into extra innings, that saves a DH and it saves an arm. So, I mean, but that helps when you have that kind of aspect. If somebody struggles through three, Lorenzen can go four, five, six, seven, and he yeah. gets an at-bat or two, and no no big deal. We don't have to hesitate on it. But I don't mm-hmm. – I mean, I don't like the idea of a universal DH to begin with anyway because I think that's I what either. separates the National League from the American League. You know, that's kind of pointless to me on what the whole – idea of baseball is is a national it adds an extra level of excitement for sure and i know you know like because we've been playing baseball together since our sophomore year of high school there would be those some tournaments that would dh for pitchers and i know when you were pitching you'd be bummed out if you couldn't hit and i'm not going to say any names but i know that there were some other po pitcher onlys on our team (laughs) that loved to hit and even if they sucked at hitting, it was entertainment for the people in the dugout watching them yeah, go up there and try so... to hit, like number <laughs> ten. <laughs> and um, yeah, so I think that's the biggest reason Ugh. why this got shot down was not because of just the minuscule change in games, but more yeah. because of the um, universal DH. Because if you listen to National League pitchers, like AL pitchers, because they're used to it by now, are kind of like they don't care. But if you listen to National League pitchers, that's the thing. They like to go out there and just take yeah. some hacks at the ball. Like, yeah. Derek Cole actually said something about that, that he, like, kind of low-key missed, like, yeah, no, when and, he was and, on the Pittsburgh Pirates. Yeah, I mean, there's no more kids and daddy ball in the major leagues. It doesn't exist anymore at the level of, hey, my kid wants to play. Let's throw him out there. That's not what the universal DH should do. And – um I mean, daddy ball shouldn't even be in question if that's what you want to equivalent it to is what I do. I mean, some of those tournaments you throw out having to watch the kid that pitches every once a weekend hit, which is okay with me, or the kid that strikes out every time he goes to the plate not having to go up. But that's – baseball was made that way for a reason. The mm-hmm. National League, whether it's go up and bunt, or watch three pitches, or hope he hits me. Yeah, That's part and I'm not going to lie. That's why we watch. They say that bunting is boring. I love watching pitchers go out there sometimes trying to bunt the ball three times in a row, and they can't do it if there was a gun to their head. No, hey, look, uh, <laughs> being a former pitcher, I hate bunting still. It's dumb. I don't see a need to it. Let me swing. If I miss, at least I have fun doing it, you know. I don't feel as crappy when I come back and I swing. Then when I bunt one foul or two, and I'm like, dang, I was that close. And I want to throw my fist through the the bench. But besides the point, you know, I think that there's a lot of changes that are coming to baseball, but I don't think a universal DH should be one, you know? Yeah, no, I don't either. But, hey, whatever. And I also don't think robotic umpires should be one either. Oh, my God. Yeah, if we can spend But we can get into that this... later. We, we Wait, can I get into sp- that I want to spend one second on this. 
you cannot take the human element out of a game, especially in a game like baseball. We already saw last season. Listen, this is almost like Big J journalism. This should go on like Fox Sports or ESPN. All right. The biggest argument you can have is the human aspect for robotic umpires. What did Kevin Cash do last season with Snell, Drew? What did what did he do in the World Series? Just give me like a three-word answer. He blanked. He pulled him out of the game because of yeah. analytics, which is not a human <laughs> factor, and they lost when Blank Snell was absolutely blanking out there, absolutely balling out. If that is not all you need to see for why analytics, robots, statistics is not the future of the game, I don't know what else to tell you. I mean, you're absolutely right. I don't – again, that's why we watch the game of baseball. It's just – it's different. It, it's more than just analytics to me. And anybody that has ever watched the movie Moneyball understands <laughs> – Great. Highly that suggest that. Great movie. It's, it's different. Another baseball movie, if anybody watched, that analytics don't play a role is bench warmers, guys. It doesn't play a role, you know. You can be 40 and still have fun with the game mm-hmm. because it's just how it is. But honestly, if you're struggling to understand as a human being how baseball is supposed to work, Moneyball. I mean, one of one of the few movies where you don't expect Jonah Hill not to say something funny, but it's serious and it's just – it's. Analytics plays a role. Yes, I want a guy to hit 310, but if he's going to hit 280 and hit 300 home or 31 home runs, I can give a couple of uh, ticks here and there, but that's just my, and I don't know, I think that's part of the baseball game itself. But moving into uh, a little bit of the NBA, I want to discuss how the Nets look. We touched a little bit on it earlier, and we don't need to spend a. Uh, I'm not going to spend a ton of time. Yeah, no, not a ton. I think it's pretty pretty solid team through the first what seven games, a, a full week or two that they've yeah. been together. I, um, I don't know if there's another team constructed to beat them seven times in a row. If they can get, and I say that, but they need at least one more piece of defense. If they can get that then they may be able to take one home this year. Yeah, as Stephen A. Smith said this morning on first take, which I agree with him here, it seems like Brooklyn, now even though their chemistry is just going to continue to get better after these first seven or eight games, it almost seems like they're coasting a little bit now. Like KD and Harden have already played together, so they've already got that chemistry built. And Kyrie actually came out and said today that they're such legends that sometimes he just gets caught out there just watching them because it's so fun to watch. But I think with – um Brooklyn, the biggest thing which you really, really keyed keyed in on on our second podcast a few weeks ago is the defensive aspect of that trade. And that is still, I mean, very obvious that their defense is lacking. And there have been rumors where players like JaVale McGee or Andre Drummond on um, Cleveland are both uh, big buyout potential guys. And those are guys Brooklyn could go after. And Andre Drummond has actually said that if he was bought out, he would like to go to Brooklyn. And so I don't think they're done. There's no way they're done. Kevin Durant and their um, two, three, four-minute offense down the stretch, he's been playing five. He's been playing the center. And Kevin Durant 
if I had to take a guess, did not sign up to play center. No, for the last and it looks three, really, it looks really strange. Yeah, and even though obviously he's the height to do it at seven feet, that's not his style of basketball. So they've no, got to one get, of the best pure scorers. Yeah, in the league, running yeah. a five. <laughs> yeah, no. So they've got to figure that out. But um, I'm I'm still pretty happy with the way they've played. But yeah, also with defense is if you watched last year the teams that were able to get the big defensive stops. That's what the playoffs are about is defensive yep. stops or the team that made it. LeBron James and the Lakers were able to lock down at one point or another throughout the game, everybody they played. And that is why they won. But going on to the other LA team, the Los Angeles Clippers who did lose to Brooklyn last night, I still think are playing great. Paul George, 50% from the field, 45% from three and almost 92% from the free throw line, averaging 24, six boards, five assists. He is putting up career numbers after just not having a great season last year. I think him hitting that shot off the side of the backboard in the bubble last year was perhaps the greatest thing that ever happened to him because he discussed this offseason that he's got a new trainer and that he is back on his Kobe mode because he really looked up to Kobe Bryant that he is back in his Mamba mode. And it's been exhilarating to watch and see what he's done. And I also kind of mentioned last week too, how Kawhi Leonard, a lot more of a facilitator, averaging five five and a half assists a game, which is three more than the prior seasons. And so I think this Clippers team is really something to look forward to in the future. I think they're going to be great. And two teams that haven't been playing that great and are well under expectations this year are the Dallas Mavericks and the Miami Heat. Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks have just not been up to what they should be this season, especially after an electric bubble run last season with KP, Kristaps Porzingis, and Luka Doncic. KP just doesn't look the same. I don't know if it's his knees bothering him. I mean, if you look, players over seven feet in the NBA, they don't typically last too long. And KP coming in at 7'3". Like, you look at players like Yao Ming, Batumke McCumbo. I'm sorry. I know that wasn't right. Yeah, I'm sorry that wasn't right. But you get the point. And then also, that added with Luka Doncic. Put some respect on that name. That's a a hawk right there. Yeah, Drew is finger-wagging right now as we speak. And um, (laughs) I think Drew will agree with me on this, too. If you look, Luka Doncic, when he came into the season, he did not look in shape when he first started. No, it was as, a little bit of a, of a hardened issue. Yeah, exactly. And as one guy I look up to, Bill Simmons said, he said it looks like Luca's advisors were telling him the season wasn't going to start until like March, the way that he started the season. <laughs> and yeah. you, after shooting like so great from three the last couple years, he's been shooting 30, he's been shooting over 30%, 32, 33%, which isn't great, but it's good enough for the volume of shooting that he's doing. He's shooting 29% right now. And he's just not, he's not the X factor that he should have been. And you can look at his stat line going 27, nine and nine, but it's because he's just playing so much. It's not like meaningful basketball. They've had a lot of garbage time and just a lot of games that just, they're just not reaching their potential. No. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's, it's definitely a lot of it gets tossed on Luca's shoulders but the um, one game that I have watched from the Mavs this – and really, really watched, really – I mean, I've seen a couple, but I really focused on was a couple of weeks ago. I don't even remember who they were playing. 
he's wide, Luca's wide open uh, at the top of the key, and Chris Stapps coming down, tosses it over. Luca passes it back when they crowd, and instead of dribbling right and getting back to Luca, who was wide open, he took the shot as time expired and they lost. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of frustration going on there, and I think it's, and it's kind of how we expected the Nets to be, where they were, they should be out of sync. To be honest with you. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, they deserve a little bit of time. Yeah. The Nets really should be crumbling. They should be fighting with each other. They should be struggling to score this, that, and the other thing because everybody wants to score, but they're not. They figure out yeah. a way before they started even playing together how they were going and make that happen. Where I, like you said, Luca comes in overweight, unprepared, not ready for the season almost it seemed. And I think it's hard to get everybody around you when you're the star, you're the captain, you're the guy. It's hard to get them inspired to play this season you know like why would i why do i play hard for somebody that's sitting next to me that's not playing hard either you know and that's the Mavs are definitely underperforming because nobody's playing up to that potential yeah and if you look at their surrounding cast down in dallas so you've got kp we've already discussed hasn't been playing up to par you got willie collie stein who it's his fifth season and he just has never really just gotten to never blossomed into anything be. yeah everybody thought he would but he never has but a big name that they did trade for and i think they definitely lost this trade now is when they acquired josh richardson from philadelphia and traded <laughs> seth curry back up there josh richardson has not been the same player since the miami heat who he was on before the 76ers and we'll get into the heat here in a second but if you look at the heat they seem to get the best out of every player that they bring down into Miami just because they've got that Pat Riley dog mentality, like what Jimmy Butler has. Yep. But Josh yep. Richardson – It's Eric Spolster not, too. Yeah, but Josh Richardson has not been the 3 and D wing that he was supposed to be coming yep. into there. And Josh Green, he's a rookie. He's been all right. Still don't understand why they drafted him. They don't really need him. They needed a big man, young big man. And he just hasn't been what they thought he would be. And Dorian Finney-Smith, who had a career year last year, just hasn't backed that up either. And so then speaking about the Miami Heat, I would say these are probably the two most underperforming teams in the NBA this season, or Dallas and Miami. So Miami was just in the NBA Finals, what, four months ago. And now they're one of, record-wise, we're one of the worst teams in the East. And they are coming in at 7-13, and 13th in the NBA East. I mean, not great. And if you look at their pieces as well, obviously Jimmy Butler has only played eight games, but in those eight games, he still has not hit a single three-pointer in those games, which is huge. And he's only averaging just under 19 points, which is, it's good, but he needs to be a lot more for this Miami team. And if you look at Tyler Tyler Hero too, he's only shooting 31% from three compared to shooting, compared to shooting, uh, almost 40% last year. And I kind of talked about this to Drew a little bit. I think Miami's on, like, I don't think they're as good as they should have been last year. I think they kind of overdid their expectations a little bit, but with the way this East is coming out this season, I mean, you've got Cleveland and Charlotte and some of these young teams that typically aren't great in playoff spots right now, Miami in this shortened season, does not have too much time to mess around. 
No, yeah, you're right. And and I think they kind of blew up their chances to be bad this year by being good next like last year. Yeah. You know, they could you could see them, you know, struggling and it it is what it is if they missed and I don't know if you could have missed the bubble, but if you had been bad last year to the point where it was kind of like, and we're having a decent year, then you could say is what it is. You don't have Dwayne Wade anymore. You're struggling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're two years removed. Bam's not playing great. Uh, Gordon Dragic is not playing great. Hero is struggling by all accounts. And Mm -hmm. Butler, as well as the dude can dress, cannot hit a three to save his life. (laughs) Yeah. Right now. You know, and last year. That's been the biggest thing so far with them this season. Yeah, last year. I mean, they were hitting everything. Threes. They were dunking on you, and it was exciting. They're they're up right now by six on the Wizards, which is exciting for them, but is nothing to be happy about per se, because the Wizards are four and thirteen. Yeah, the Wizards are terrible. And real quick, real quick, I mean that's a team that I cannot say I projected them being the worst team in the East after getting Westbrook and Beal. And I can't believe Beal's got to go. I can't believe Beal, even though he came out and said that he does want to stay with Washington, I, I don't believe he'll be there throughout the rest of the season. No, they, they have to enter the – and I don't know a great team to de- describe it with, but they have to enter a rebuild at this point. Yeah, they have to. to. West, Westbrook's on the decline. I mean, when you Westbrook, play how electric yeah. and, like, just dominant as he has, like, on his knees, his legs, he's had knee surgeries every other yeah. year for the past, I think it is seven seasons. And – uh yeah, Washington, they're just kind of they're kind of doing what Charlotte's doing, but on a worse level. They're just avoiding the never ending, which is that a rebuild needs to happen, but they just try and stay in basketball purgatory essentially, like in the middle. And uh yeah, they just kind of need to accept the fact and get rid of Beal. Yeah, no, and I I hate it for him because he's one of my favorite to watch yeah, when he's I do so watch fun basketball. To watch. Yeah, and it's just, I mean, why, like, why does why is he in that spot? You know, like, what did he yeah. do to not get traded, but that John Wall did to get traded? You know, it was just it was yeah. weird that they chose to get rid of John Wall yeah. over Bradley Beal. Yeah, know? and he and Beal's not going to be your number one guy, but he's going to be like a better version of what C.J. McCollum is to Damian Lillard. Like he yeah, can be I, that number two, if not a one B, in my opinion. I love McCollum. I think he's great. It sucks he broke his foot. He was yeah. on pace to go to his first ever All Star game, but I think Beal's got the edge on him. But I, because Beal came out and said if he's traded, he would rather be traded at the end of the season per source, per, per source, per source, and because um, of COVID and his family and all that. But that's that's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out because Washington has just been abysmal this year. Yeah, and it hasn't been fun to watch Washington play basketball. And no, I mean, and it, it, it is what it is. You kind of, it's weird because like basketball this year, whether it's college or NBA, just seems different. Like overall, it's weird. Yeah. North Carolina, Duke, Kentucky. Yeah, they're not. North them, Carolina, Duke, I mean, and Kentucky all suck. UNC lost to Clemson last night, and they. Like, you know, I mean, it's weird though because that's not what you expect uh-uh. on a normal season, year in year out. 
you kind of expect more of a, a dominant presence from at least one, if not all four of those teams. Yeah. What, what we're not getting now to my point of the wizards are normally a, a pretty good dominant team in their, I mean, in the East, you know, they gotta be that team. They're dominant. They're fun to watch. It's cool. But you throw your number one guy, John Wall to the curb. Yeah. And then you left with what you think. And, and you, I guess it's hard to put the blame on somebody because you could never have seen Russell Westbrook playing like this. Yeah. You know, it just, it, he, he, yeah, had they, were definitely ba- they were definitely banking on him being healthy, but at the same oh, time, yeah. if you're Washington, how do you tell in your physical that he is not healthy? Cause obviously he was not because since the very first game he's played, he has not been at full health. No. Yeah. And that's, and it's, it's weird, you know, like, like you said, how do you not know by like, you're allowed to do an examination on your own. Go, I mean, take every, everything you need to do to do it and make sure he's healthy. So you're not in this situation. Yeah. Yeah. But so I don't know. We'll see what happens with that, but that's going to end it off for episode four of the pickup. And we just want to thank you guys for listening. And we especially want to thank our listener. Don't know who he is. DM us (laughs) on our Instagram though, at the pickup underscores or the the underscore pickup sports on instagram shout out from saudi arabia whoever our listener is from out there shout him out all right guys well it's been steven (laughs) biddix and drew hartman and we've had a great time hanging out with you guys tonight and we will see you guys next week